Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. And uh, I'm excited about this series, just saying. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But I first want to say this. We are absolutely blown away and blessed by all your words of encouragement, your gifts, and all those things for Pastor Appreciation uh, Month. It's a month long. Can you believe that? But we celebrate it in a week. And so, um, but I want to just say thank you so much for everything. You guys are incredibly generous, incredibly kind, and uh, we love you dearly. And consider it an absolute privilege to be a pastor here. And uh, I'm, I'm just 100% blessed, and my wife and I are, are super blessed, and thank you, thank you, thank you so much for everything. <clears throat> I am, I must admit, I am on a uh, Taquito Nirvana experience right now. Um, <clears throat> I rolled up about 120 Taquitos on Friday, and uh, I've just been eating them ever since, and so pardon me if um, I look like one. <clears throat> but... Uh, they were really, really good. And so um, I'm <laughs> kind of living that, that uh, taquito dream. I, I grew up going to Olvera Street in downtown L.A., and my dad would take us there, and we would eat all these taquitos. And, uh, and now uh, I learned and, and know how to make the salsa that they make down there. And so I no longer go there and spend lots of dollars. Um, I just spend lots of dollars at home making them for myself <clears throat> and for my family. So uh, it's really fun. And as you know, I'm, if you know me at all, I'm all about food. And it's a, it's, it's, uh, that's what's going to be in heaven, Mexican food. And so just accept the reality, okay? Just saying. I'm just saying. Um, is one of those sayings, it's a popular saying right now in the sense of, uh, I'm just saying. Uh, it, it means, what, it, what it's intended to mean is that what I'm about to tell you is not intended to offend you. That's what just saying really means. It's like, I'm just saying, you know, you're, you're, that, those clothes um, need a little upgrade, okay? And I'm just saying, that's all. I, I don't mean to offend you or anything. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, put the taquito down. No one's going to be hurt, okay? And uh, it's, it's, it's just saying is intended to say, okay, I'm going to tell you something, but it's not intended to offend you in any way, shape, or form. I love you. I care about you, but I'm just saying... You need to hear this, okay? And that's what this series is about, because we're going to walk through the book of James. We're going to walk through this book that is like an upfront, in your grill, um, <clears throat> here's the truth, here's the way to understand life in a real and honest perspective. It was written by a guy named James, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, but the main thread of this whole series is simply this, living right is the only way to health in an unstable and confused world. Living right is the only way to health in an unstable and confused world. I'm just saying. Okay? Living right. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a way to live in this crazy world we live in today that is worth living in. We don't have to be affected by everything that's going on around us. In fact, we can infect it. We can affect it and make a difference as we choose to live a life that God wants us to live. Many of us are not living to our full potential because we're letting everything else kind of get us crazy and mad and angry and frustrated and all these kinds of things. And we're giving all of our attention to that rather than being just like Jesus. And so I think 
that we need this series from the book of James to help us understand what it is to live in a, a, an unstable and confused world and even somewhat, uh, even more so today than ever, kind of against Christianity. I think we have to understand. It's not to be afraid of our culture. We don't need to be afraid of our culture, but we do need to be aware of it. And then how do we approach our culture so that we can make a difference and so that we can live to our full potential in Christ? And I think that's really, really important. This book was written by the half-brother of Jesus. The half-brother of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary. And so it was Mary and God being the, the mother and father in that context. And then James was born to Mary and Joseph. So Joseph... And Mary had kids after she had Jesus. And as a result, James is the half-brother. Can you imagine being James? James, I wish you would just be like your brother. (laughs) Why can't you do things like your brother? He lived in that shadow. But what eventually happens is he becomes the leader of the church of Jerusalem. He becomes really the, the, the key guy that says, I am the follower of my brother, Jesus. I am a full-fledged follower of the Lord, of the king of the world, Jesus. And he becomes the leader of the church in uh, Jerusalem. And as the church begins to, to stir up and grow, the persecution began to head, go headlong into the church. And uh, the, the church started to scatter. And so he writes this book, and we'll read this in just a moment. But he writes this book to the scattered Christians. To those that have left Jerusalem and he's writing to the Jewish or Messianic Jews of the scattered church. And and so he's, he's not writing specifically to one church. He's writing to a whole bunch of people that have scattered across the, the, in biblical times around the the communities and areas of that, that world. And as a result, he is sharing, here's how to live. He cares. He's, he's like a pastor caring for his flock. I care what you guys are going through right now. And he's writing about that. And so he's heavily influenced by the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. He's heavily influenced by Proverbs. If you read through the book of James, they're like these little snippets of truth. And they're they're hard-hitting, right up in your face. I want to tell you the truth. And I love this book. The focus of the book is, is basically this. Faith evidenced by deeds, conduct, and speech. Faith evidenced by deeds, conduct, and speech. And so the whole idea is to activate our faith, to live with faith, knowing that what God has taught us, what God is teaching us, and how he wants us to live is a better way to live than the way of the world. And so he gives us this, this clear picture. And so James, led by the Holy Spirit, wanted to help discourage believers to live a satisfying and fulfilling life. And this how-to book is a book about living right in a difficult world. And I think we need that. I think we need that. As I've been praying and asking God what, what we need as a, as a body of Christ, as, as Christians and as, as people who may be kicking the tires of faith. And I know there's some guests here. And if you're kicking the tires of faith, this is a great time to get in because you'll see that God has the answers to our, our situation. He might not have the solve for the problems, but he has the solution for you and me to live in the problem. That's, that's powerful. 
That's life-changing. That's different. And that's why Jesus is so powerful and attractive. I, I kind of went through a discouraging time in my own personal life when my mom was sick. My mom had dementia and um, never diagnosed as Alzheimer's, but she slowly lost her memory. And um, I, I got really frustrated with this because my mom was the sweetest lady on the planet. Just the, the most wonderful lady. I, I saw her go through all kinds of crazy stuff in her marriage. I saw her go through all kinds of crazy stuff that my brother and I put her through. And she continued to love. She continued to proclaim Jesus in her life. She continued. And then she slowly lost her memory. And for a long period of time, almost two years, that was long to me, she did not know who I was or did not know what was going on. And she was constantly in this, in this care center kind of living a non-existent life. Now, here's the power of this story. And, and I was frustrated with God. I was like, God, why can't you just take her home or um, fix her? You know, just give her her memory back and let her experience her grandkids and, 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 and all those kinds of things. And, and it didn't happen. And I honestly, I'm, I'm just being raw with you. I was frustrated, very frustrated with what God was doing. But at the same time, my brother and I, who had not, spent a lot of time together up until that time we're spending lots of time together and i love my brother and my sister-in-law carlos and Lindsay, and i think they're the most they're just some of the the best people but i was i i believe that what god did in a very strange and painful way was bring us together and to this day we love spending time together and, and having a good time together and camping together and doing things together in life. And, I'm, and, and I believe that what I didn't understand at the time with my mom was God using that situation to bring us together. And I'm convinced that after years and years of life in Christ, I'm convinced, that, and I've seen it over and over and over again, that God will often take things that the world brings our way because of sickness, because of disease, because of of devil, evil, or um, I said devil, I meant devil, um, but it goes, and uh, <clears throat> and 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 so there's this uh, this intent that um, <clears throat> what the the enemy meant for bad, God took and meant for good, and I think that's what the the whole book of um, <clears throat> of James is talking about is how do we live in the context of this world that, that's full of stuff that we don't like and full of stuff that we go through and full of stuff that we experience and others experience, and how do we live in a context that makes sense of it or at least makes the best of it? And I think there's two things that, that help us do that. Now, one is stick-to-itiveness. Have you ever heard of that? Stick-to-itiveness. Stick to it. Perseverance is another word that the Bible uses, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And then the other one that I want to emphasize today, these two things, these two thoughts, stick to and no victimhood. No victimhood. In today's world, we want to blame somebody else or something for all the things that are happening to us or the way we feel or even the way we act. I was talking to somebody this week who wanted to blame uh, the Vietnam War on the way they are today. And I just looked them in the eye and I said, dude, one, you weren't there, and two, you're not there now, and three, 
You just lived through it as a kid. You didn't, you know, why, what? You're just using something to claim yourself as a victim. And that's not acceptable. And, and it doesn't work. And we have to understand that we are responsible for our behavior. And um, James gets right to it. And he starts talking about these things in the Bible. So James chapter 1 Verse 1 says, James, a servant of God of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. So it just tells us very clearly he's talking to all the, the Israelites who became Christians and had scattered because of persecution and, and, and all kinds of different circumstances in that, in that culture. So he's addressing them. They were scattered because of, mostly because of persecution and they are living a tough life in another uh, context of uh, community in the world. And then he goes on to verse 2 and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It's a really powerful passage of Scripture. And it's been used in many contexts to talk about suffering and difficulty and all these kinds of things. And what James is telling the, the, the scattered disciples of Jesus. He's, he's, what he's trying to communicate is simply this, is that when you go through tough times, stick to it. Stick to Jesus. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because when you do, when you persevere, you are going to last. You're going to finish. You're going to become mature and complete. Some uh, 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 tr um, translations of the scripture say you will become a perfect person. And that, that word perfect simply means whole and complete. And I think most of us want to understand that we want out of situations because they make us uncomfortable. But these situations are making us more complete, more perfect, more mature. And I don't know about you, we talked about maturity last week, about being a disciple and making disciples, but if we want to grow up, we're going to go through tough times. And the people who truly grow up mature and go through the tough time because they persevere. They don't stop, they don't quit, they stick to it, and they have that stick to in their life. And when they go through that, and when we go through that, we don't become victims of the circumstance, we become victors of the circumstance. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. We, we become people that are, are going through things and we come out on the other side better than when we started. That's the whole point. Now, I don't believe that God brings all of this stuff on us. I believe some of it, most of it, is because of the world we live in. In other words, God doesn't send people to be mean to you, but people are going to be mean to you. Because of your faith. And he takes that and he says, are you going to stick to me at that point in time? I, I find it interesting that a lot of people say, God is testing me. When I, I, I'm not sure that's true. 
I'm not confident that this, this scripture is saying God is testing me. He's, ta- he's using the test you're in. He's using the circumstance you're in to test you. And, and whatever your, your, your circumstances is, he is using that to bring maturity to you. That's why it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We need wisdom to go through the difficult times so that we can do them, we, so we can strategically walk through those circumstances with wisdom and smarts instead of going, oh, this is awful, this is terrible, and I blame you. And we want to do that, but that's not wisdom. Wisdom is saying, all right, this is a challenge. All right, the devil's coming at me or, or the, the world is throwing something at me and I'm going to handle this like a mature believer in Christ. And I'm going to let this circumstance make me better instead of making me bitter. And when we do that, we find that God moves in us and gives us the wisdom that we don't have to go through it with a, a, a really... Um, powerful experience instead of a powerless experience. Is that making sense? You guys with me? And so it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, but then when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It's like going to Bill Gates and saying, hey, do you have a dollar? but not in your head believing that he has a dollar or that he will give you a dollar. That's, that's the craziness. Here's a rich guy that has all the money in the world or at least a lot of the money in the world and you have to believe he is capable of giving you a dollar. It's like going to God and saying, um, and saying this, um, God, I know, I know you really don't want to do this, but would you? That's being double-minded. And this is why we need wisdom when we pray even. We need to pray and say, God, I believe that this is what you want for this situation. And I pray that that would happen. I pray that you would meet the need. Give me wisdom for this circumstance. That's all you have to pray. You don't even have to pray for the specifics. Just pray, God, I need wisdom to get through this so that I can be a better person, so that I can shine your glory, so that I can be like you. So I can, and, and we pray for wisdom. Sometimes we just trust on our own wisdom. I've gotten in so many pickles and problems and circumstances when I depend on my own wisdom. When I, I go and I decide to make a purchase without praying about it. I go and I decide to do something, uh, with a, you know, confront somebody without praying about it. And I go with my anger and my frustration rather than my grace and my wisdom in God. You ever done that? You think you're going to go fix something and all of a sudden it's a bigger mess than when you started? Yeah? Been there, done that? I bought the t-shirt. I make messes <laughs> in my own power. We have to ask God for wisdom. And when we do, then God is involved. And then we come through it with strength. And then we get experience. And experience gives us wisdom. And wisdom is something we can share with others. And we go through and we, we look mature instead of childish. Right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That God wants us to be wise in the times that we go through difficult times. Yes, how do we consider it pure joy? We consider it pure joy in the fact that whatever circumstance we're in, we're going to come out better than when we started. And that's the pure joy part. It's the pure joy when you know that whatever the enemy intended for bad, God is going to make it good. 
That's the beauty of what's happening in our lives. And when we allow that to happen, we can experience. And we don't need to be double-minded. We don't need to go to God and say, God, I don't think you want to give me wisdom, but I really need it. He's like, okay, if you don't believe, <laughs> on your own, move along. And then we go make a mess, and then he cleans it up, and he helps us through it. You guys with me? Verse 9 says this, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. It's kind of... See Seems like a, just saying, rich people. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no offense, but everything you've got is going away. <laughs> it means nothing. Really what this is saying is that, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. In other words, what, what, what James is trying to communicate is it, the rich aren't bad. They're not bad for being rich as long as they have eternity in their perspective. You see, that's what makes everyone on equal ground is that all of us, the believers in humble circumstances or the poor people, ought to take pride in their high position. In other words, we are all children of the king. And that puts everybody in a great place. And the rich should realize that too and understand that the only, the only value of what they have on earth is to bless others on earth because they're going to heaven and everything they have is going away. And so when we put this in the context of trials and, and, and challenges and suffering, we put it in the, in the perspective of we have to understand what a blessing is. You say, I'm going through terrible things. I'm going, I, you know, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. And we, can't, we, t we tend to look at all of that and go, I'm not like them. I'm not rich. But James is saying, hey, don't, don't worry about being rich. Worry about what, who you have, not what you have. Don't worry about <clears throat> measuring up to those that are rich. Worry about knowing that your position is as high as it's ever going to get. You are a child of the king. You are born. You are reborn. You have all your sins forgiven. You are on your way to heaven. There is no better blessing than that. And as long as you have that, that's all you need. So be careful how you define trials and suffering because blessed are those that are in humble circumstances because of their high position. And, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation because when they die, they're going to leave everything behind, but their humiliation is still in heaven. They are going to be a child of the king. They are a child of the king, and there's nothing that changes those two positions. Everybody's on equal ground. And so what James is trying to encourage this dispersed group of people is, hey, don't worry about how you're living. What matters is who you're living for. It doesn't matter how much you have. It matters who you have. And when we put those things together, we can live with hope. We can live with joy. We can live with this understanding that no matter what my circumstance financially, no matter what my circumstance is politically or, or status-wise in this world, I am a child of the king, high or low. If I'm rich, 
right now I'm high, but I'm, I'm going to be low. I'm, I'm going to be equal with everybody else because I am a child of the king. I'm just saying. If you're poor, it's okay. If you're rich, it's okay because we're all going to heaven together. Amen? And yeah, if you're rich, it's all going to go away. But that's okay because you're going to be in, in, in heaven with the king. Trials don't test what you have. They test who you have. And when you understand who you have, you can live in any circumstance whatsoever. Amen? Amen. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's the promise. That's the beauty of going through any trial and circumstance is staying with it, stick to persevering, hanging in there. Not like that little kitten in that little picture that just says, hang in there, baby, and it's just hanging by its claws on the branch. You ever seen that? Maybe it's too old. <clears throat> it's not like that. It's just persevering. It's knowing that God is with you, knowing that you're walking with God, living life in its fullest. The Bible, this picture is actually blessed is the one, or blessed, or, or you are living to the fullest of life when you are persevering under trial. You are showing Jesus at his best when you are showing who you have faith in. And when you do that, any trial can be uh, rewarding. And there is a crown of life. And that crown of life is not just when we get to heaven, but now. To live in joy, to live in understanding that God is with you no matter what the circumstance. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, having made it, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. To those who love him. And he begins to wrap this passage up by saying in verse 13, when tempted, this word tempted is the same word as trial. It's different in the context, but when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Who does? The enemy, the devil, right? And so <clears throat> you've heard the devil sermon. Yeah, and, and I'll try and, and give it a little sauce to it. But I'm, I'm tired of the devil. If you take D off a of devil, you have evil. And the devil is evil. And if you take E off of evil, you have vile. And the devil is vile. And you never follow a vile person. If you take the, the V off of vile and you have ill, and that's what the devil makes me is ill. And I'm just tired of the devil making me ill. And if you take I off of ill, you have L. And that's where you're going if you follow him. <clears throat> that was average. Not quite enough energy. <clears throat> Too many taquitos. The devil tempts us. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now this is where we get into the victimhood situation. Too often we want to blame 
the circumstance or, or the people or, or God for what we're going through. And what, what James is telling the, the, the scattered disciples is, listen, do not blame God for your own fault. Do not blame God when you put yourself in the circumstance that you're in. We have to understand that not only is the devil involved, not only is the, the fallen world involved, but sometimes it's our own evil desires that get us in the mess we're in. It's our own stuff. It's our own issues. It's our own temptations. It's our own hungers. It's our own appetites that cause us to, to get into circumstances that we shouldn't be in. And so let's stop blaming God for the trial and let's look inside our heart and say, I'm the one that got me here. I'm not a victim. I'm the cause. This is no time to blame anyone. This is no time to blame the world. Oh, the world is evil. I'm, you know, I'm, I, went to Viet, I, I lived through the Vietnam era, era. You never went there. You never experienced it, but you went through it. And this many years later, you're blaming it? Now, I'm not saying that there can't be impact, but I can say that today is the day not to have the victimhood. We choose our own experiences we choose our own expressions we choose our own actions and when we do we can't blame anybody but our own appetites right and so let's take responsibility let's take ownership because sometimes it's not a trial that brought us to this difficult circumstances it was our own appetites that got us there and james and you know this is one of those this is definitely one of those i'm just saying moments because this is stepping on our toes. This is telling us that we need to own up. We need to, we need to look at ourselves in our hearts and say, what have I done to bring on the difficulty in my life? What have I done to cause this pain to me and maybe others around me instead of trying to blame someone? This is really important because when we get to this point, we can embrace that moment and say, God, please forgive me for the sins I've committed to create the pain. And then... You can fix it. That's what God wants. And that's what James is encouraging, is don't let your appetites, don't let your hunger become the, the reason to blame God or anybody else for your problems when you're the problem. And what James is saying is fixable. Change the appetite. Redirect the energy. Stop doing what you're doing. Repent. Repent of the sin. Confess it and repent of it. And, and when we repent, we turn away from it and we walk the other way. And when we do that, we see healing and wholeness and health come to our lives and our bodies and those around us. And then he ends with this great passage. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of, heaven, of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. In other words, what James is telling the, 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 the dispersed Christians is that God, anything God does in your life is good for your life. And we need to embrace that. We need to embrace the fact that he, when he takes a trial, when he takes even a temptation and is turning us away from those temptations and turning us away from that sin, all of that is good. Let's not look at it as bad. Let's not look at it as, oh, God's trying to take the fun out of my life. Let none of that. God is bringing joy back to your life. 
When we're living right, we're living healthy, we're living in a context of ugliness in this world, and we're the ones going, hey, I love Jesus. God's got a grip on my life, and we're going to make it through this situation. We're going to make it through. That's when we shine bright and Jesus shines brighter. We tend to lose sight of it when we're in the middle of it. I, I tell you, hindsight is twenty twenty. I look back at my life and I see so many difficult things that I've gone through and, uh, and, I, and, they, and they were difficult things. Not just, you know, hangnails. These were difficult things. These were things that, that hurt deep down and caused deep pain. And I look back and I go, man, look at God's fingerprints all over those moments that he took me through that and he took us through that. And praise God, I had people persevere with me, and some, in some cases for me. They carried me. They're like the, 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 the friends that carried their buddy up, up to the rooftop and broke through the rooftop and lowered him down before Jesus, the paralyzed man, so that Jesus could, could heal him. They're like, I, need, I had those four buddies that carried me around, my wife being one of them and others, many, many other people holding me up. And persevered, and, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm blessed because of the perseverance. And I'm not, giving my, I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying that there is a reward. And that reward is not just now, but it's later. What I went through is, uh, is so powerful to, to bring to this pulpit and to bring to lives around me that I can share the experience that I've had, the wisdom that I've gained from suffering. And we have that privilege too. And the end reward for sure is heaven. Last passage I'll share with you. Revelations 2, 8 through 11. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put, to, will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Yeah, we are victorious, church. We're not living in a, in a shame-filled world that Christians are all, you know, fuddy-duddies and have nothing to live for and have no joy. We have everything to have joy for because this is the promise of the church that remains faithful. This is the promise of the church that will persevere and stick to it. And this is the promise of you and me that will live a full life today and, and, and an eternal life with Jesus tomorrow. And I'm excited about that. So trials test our faith. Are we going to remain faithful? Perseverance solidifies our faith. And so the answer to that question is, are we going to remain faithful? Absolutely. We're going to stick to it. Blessings are in the position, not the possessions. Remember that. Blessings are in the position or the person that you have a relationship with, not the possessions. Let's not define trials by how much we have or don't have, but who we are in relationship with. Some trials 
are of our own doing, let's not blame God. And the one who perseveres wins the crown, now and forever. And that's what this message is all about. I'm just saying, let's stick to it. Let's persevere through the trials. He may not take them away from you, but he'll take them, take you through them. And when you do, you'll come out stronger, more mature, more powerful, more confident, more full of joy because you know that God is with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for giving us joy in the midst of trials, giving us hope in the midst of difficult circumstances. Lord, we own up to our own issues, our own sin, the things that have dragged us away that we have appetites for. I pray that you forgive us of those things and we commit to turn away from them and turn towards you. We repent of our sins and Lord, we celebrate the victory. Forgive us for blaming anybody for what we're going through and and help us not to be victims but victors. God, that we would understand that we don't have to blame. We can walk through whatever you've given us, whatever we've experienced, and we can know that those will make us better people, stronger people, more powerful people, more confident people, more able people to help others. And we give you thanks for that because of the trials and challenges that we've gone through. Lord, I pray for those that are going through difficult times right now that in the name of Jesus, you would become the focal point of their lives, not the issue, not the circumstance, not the trial, but that you, Lord, would be the wisdom in, in the midst of their, their challenge. Lord, we ask for that right now, knowing that you are fully willing to give us all the wisdom we need to live a, a, a beautiful life, a life full of potential, a life that you want us to, to go through in these difficult times, you want us to go through with wisdom, we pray knowing that you will give us that wisdom. And we thank you for giving us the crown, the victorious crown that we will experience, Lord, as we continue to go through every trial and tribulation. And when we come to that last breath of our lives, we will experience the victor's crown of eternal life. And I thank you and I praise you for that. Comfort those that are going through difficult times right now, Lord. Give peace and hope. Give wisdom, I pray. Help us, God, to... Flex the muscles of faith so that we can become stronger and stronger in you. Help us to reflect who you are to this world. And may the power of your Holy Spirit move in us and through us all days of our lives. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have a relationship with him, but you want one. You found out today that he's your strength, not you, but him. He's the one that will forgive you of your sin, the mistakes you've made in your life. He's the one that will help you go through difficult times. He's the one that will help you get out of your circumstance that you may be in right now, or at least take you through it. And you need a relationship with him. And if that's you, I just want you to pray this simple prayer. First, we ask God to forgive us of our sins. Then we confess that he was raised from the dead, the Bible says. And when we make those two confessions, when we ask him to forgive us of our sin... And, that, and we confess that he was raised from the dead. The Bible tells us we will be saved. And that's amazing. And I want to offer that to you today. If you're online, if you're on site, and you haven't experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you're coming back to him after a long period of being gone, let's recommit. Let's make a commitment to Jesus today. Just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I, for, 
I ask that you forgive me of my sin. I have sinned. I have made mistakes. I've done things that have displeased you and separated me from you. But Lord, I ask that you forgive me of those sins. And I accept that forgiveness today and believe that my sins are gone and that my life is clean and I'm now a new person. And I confess that you were raised from the dead and that because of that, I will experience eternal life with you and spend eternity with you. You have defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I will avoid all of those things by following you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.